know, hopefully it kind of lets guys just breathe and, you know, understand that you can do it because at times when you don't do it, you start to think that you can't do it and then all of a sudden it happens. So, you know, hopefully it kind of lets all of us breathe a little bit and, and you know, can um, spiral into a lot more individual moments like that. And, and obviously it's a big seven games you know, coming up this week, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, some words of wisdom from George Springer following yesterday's 6-1 win for the Blue Jays over the Baltimore Orioles. What are you looking at, Neil? I, yeah, I don't want to be the guy because they won by a lot. But yeah. it'd, make, it'd make you wonder that... Here we go. Now you're well, going to find some it, negativity. It'll make you, it'll it'll make make you, you wonder. It'll why make didn't you they wonder. win 8-1? No, no. Uh. It'll make you wonder if a guy can pitch hit in the seventh inning why he can't start. Well, this... It'll make you wonder, won't it? Well, it that, that I is... I mean, after sitting over there for two and a half hours doing absolutely nothing, you saw him over there doing all the little whatever, whatever he was doing. And now all of a sudden, you can walk up against a guy throwing 99 and pinch hit. Odd to you? Odd to me. Uh, we, uh, just a little. Like, I, a little. I have given, I don't, You know, I love Matt Chapman, but do you really want to see him leading off? No. I, I'm, listen, I, mean, I, I am with you. Exactly. Every didn't, time. Didn't just have 10 days off? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean. I know. Every I, time that I. I don't understand. You know, every time that I tell people that you know, this is the way of the world, you know, with analytics and with, again, everything these guys do is monitored. And I don't know. Maybe his potassium count was down or something. I don't know what it is because the Jays monitor everything these guys That's do. I'm just saying, I don't know. Maybe he did a grip test and it was like 0.003% oh, less. Oh, but by the way, on. you can come up when it matters the most and hit off a guy. This, that this a was my point. I was saying every time that I try to tell people that they have <laughs> the analytics folks and the high performance department has more info than we do, which they do. Every time I try to tell people that you see something like that, where a guy gets a day off and whoops, it's not a day off. We'll just put you up in the biggest situation, which, and I know there are people going to say, Jeff, it's an urgent situation. Let me tell you this. It's do the same damn thing. If it was the home opener, we've seen it time and time again this year. I don't get it. This is the only team I know where an off day just means you're going to miss the first five innings, basically, which they won six, one. They're still mm -hmm. in the wild card spot, mm -hmm. Kevin. They woke up in the Bronx this morning. Seattle, 65 and 54, game and a half up. Tampa Bay, 62 and 54. They were walked off yesterday by our friend, friend of the show, Josh Donaldson. And uh, my Blue Jays, Mr. Barker, 62 and 54. They hold down that final wild card spot. Minnesota leapt over Baltimore. Minnesota's a game back. Baltimore's a game and a half back. Here come the Chicago White Sox. They're two back, and the Boston Red Sox are just treading water at four back. Um, how would you feel if I suggested to you that we get a movement right now, Kevin, to take Yusei Kikuchi's remaining money away from him? You want to get that? Oh, no, that's, that's mine. That's yours. To take Yusei Kikuchi's... To Say take Yusei Kikuchi's remaining money away from him and give it to there's uh, a button on the side that you can shut push up. to take you say kikuchi's remaining money away and give it to ross stripling well you know it's not going to happen but of but you, you, happen. you would you would honestly think that just by watching all the adjustments that ross has made you got to give him credit now we 
You, you had to be honest starting the season. You were on the fence of what you were going to get from Ross. But all the things that went into changing mechanics to not tip pitches, you know, he was doing that thing where with the breaking ball, he'd lift his hands above the bill of his cap. Uh, with all of his other pitches, he wouldn't do it. So he was giving up his breaking ball. He was giving up when he was throwing his fastball. Remember all those home runs he was giving up on his fastball? Well, they knew it was coming. Now they don't know it's coming. He's made mechanical changes. He's made them in season. He's made them start to start from start to start. Big time adjustments and being able to come out and do what he did. He faced 20 batters through 17 strike yeah. ones. I mean, that just, and he's doing it with, we saw him do it with a changeup, a knuckle curve, a four seamer. He tried to do it with a slider to a couple of right handed hitters. Kevin, so he's very unpredictable. He got, low. Like he is. He got, he got, and the changeup's a weapon. He got 10 swings and misses in his changeups. Yeah, it's, it's, I uh, mean, you know, it's he's got a lot of Iron Mike in him. Iron Mike is odd to see. There's not a ton of guys that bring it and go way it's like above a pitching his head. Machine. It's yeah. normal, you know. You're it's like the old pitching machine. It's not right? a natural move. Yeah. Is my point to get it way up there like that? Yeah. And for him to be able to do that and have the late movement and the change of speed on the changeup and be able to sneak in a knuckle curve occasionally and oh, he saw him throw two seamers yesterday. That's the first time he's seen him do that in a while. He just, you're, you know, and he has to do it. Like, he, that's what he is. Yeah. To say he's a kitchen sink guy. He is a kitchen sink it's guy. A, like, I, this is, and, and this well, is. Where, I'll ask you this. Yeah. Where would they be without him? They wouldn't be in a wild card spot. Oh, they'd be up the creek. Yeah. You can say it. They would be. They would be up the creek. Yeah. So give him a lot of credit for what he's done and how he's had to adjust. And he is one of the guys that he's been on our show many times that basically says, I'll do whatever it takes for my team. If I have to make a drastic change from one start to the other, I'll do it. For whatever it takes to try and give them five innings to give that team a chance to win. And you have to have a serious conversation with him. I mean, and sooner than later, I would think that, hey, Ross Striplings, who can make adjustments as drastic as he's made them in the American League East and gives you what he gives you. I'm not saying, you know, give up the farm to him, but... I'd give up Kikuchi's farm to him. Three, three for 30 sounds like a nice little round number. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned uh, 10 swings and misses on, on his change-ups. Uh, I believe. I'm looking at those numbers. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, the Orioles missed on, on, on six of them. Sorry about that. On the change-up. It's still pretty good. The decision to take him out of the game, I thought, was... It was funny. I'm not second guessing it. I, I mean the, the the whole scene behind it, where John Schneider comes out, and it's funny because we're watching the game, and we're shy, the press box. John Schneider comes out, and that's the first time I think we've seen John Schneider come out to talk to a pitcher where he isn't taking him out. And managers walk a different way when they're coming out to talk to a pitcher, or when they're coming out to take a pitcher out. They just do generally, and. uh it was funny when he got to the mound. My first reaction was he was he was just going to go out there and, and and just say to him, "Look, do you want this guy? We'll give you this guy if you want him." And I loved hearing Ross Stripling's explanation for it. That as soon as he saw the manager come out, I kind of mentally exited from the game, you know. And and, and instead of coming out to take the ball for me, John saying, "What do you think?" And uh, the, the the whole you know the whole play by play and and back and forth was kind of funny. You can tell Stripling smiles and laughs a little bit during it. But I was thinking that that also, I think, gets to why Ross Stripling is so dependable because he'll be honest with you. 
Like, this is the thing about about Ross Stripling that can't be Stripling that can't be said enough. There is no drama with Ross Stripling. He might, you know, he might be the only starting pitcher on this team where there's, and I'm not saying that that means the results are going to be good, but just the consistency. You know, Kevin Gosman, he's had a, he's had a good year, but we've talked about the issues with the shift. You know, Alec Manoa, there have been something. Jose Barrios, there have been something. Ross Stripling is just, he's like the guy who just shows up, does his job. You hardly notice him. And at the end, you look, go back, you look and go, man, that was good. I, yeah, he, look, he, he's, I, I think a lot of the times it's like any any player in their career has to understand who they are first. He's not a number one. He's probably not a number two. He's not a number three. He's a back-end guy who has to compete and have multiple pitches to get good hitters out. And if he doesn't, that's to your point where he has to be honest with the manager and tell the manager that, you know, everything has to be all lined up right yeah, starting with between the ears is exactly what he was talking about. Is you you have to have a mindset of setting guys up and you know the finish on all of his pitches and and not giving those away and having the right velocities and making sure your misses are good and I mean how good's the misses on a changeup? That that's the one thing you're gonna throw it. It's one thing, but you can't miss with it down the middle because if you do, it's a BP heater and BP heaters go a long way, especially against good teams. I can't believe I'm saying this, but like the Orioles who have given you fits. Yeah. And you got to make good pitches, and the I just ask you, and again, you can ask yeah. fans or listen to this. Where would they be without him? Yeah, the uh, uh, the good news, I guess, is Mitch White, who is kind of, you know, I think, a lot of people in the organization look at Mitch White as being stripling two point oh, you know, a, a guy who may be able to eventually turn into Ross Stripling. And you talk to people, he certainly seems to have an assortment of pitches. He will make the start. We found out yesterday in New York on Saturday. Of course, the Jays and Yankees started three-game series tonight at uh, Yankee Stadium. And so he will take Yusei Kikuchi's turn in the rotation. Yusei Kikuchi was in the bullpen yesterday where I believe Yusei Kikuchi will probably spend the rest of the year. And something we've talked about is probably no great surprise, but there were some of us that suspected that perhaps... There would be pressure on the Jays to send Yusei Kikuchi out for another start. Clearly, you know, look, regardless of of what the contract is, all you had to do, you just had to read the body language of that last start. The results, the body language of the players and all that, you... That's not what it is for me. You got to be able to sell it to your team this time of the year who's fighting and clawing to win baseball games. Offensively, they're they're struggling. Like, they're, yeah, you know, they a lot know. of the times easier to pitch to, and to be able to sell that to your team right now is impossible. Yeah, That's what it's all about. I've been in to locker give, rooms. You have to give us a chance. To know that if you you got to walk in a locker room and go, oh, by the way, Saturday, you know who's pitching? It's that guy. And how do you sell that to your team? It's impossible. So the right move was made, and you put him in the bullpen. You pitch him whenever you pitch him. I'm, I'm not going to come on here and say when you pitch him. Who cares when you pitch him? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's about winning baseball games. For me, it's more important that you, I, again, I, I still don't understand how a lineup that's supposed to be as good and can be at times as good as this lineup is allows a okay pitcher to just work through them as easy as they work through them. The target 
by where they stand at the plate. I talk about this all the time about targets. And I used to, when, when I played, because I was a great hitter, I had to make adjustments. Guys throwing me breaking balls to scoot closer to him. Guys throwing me in, I'd scoot away from the plate. I didn't have a choice. It just, it's amazing to me. And I just don't understand this. Why? Unless that iPad, every time they go over and flip through it, that iPad must show them standing closer to the plate and they actually think they are. And that's the only thing I can figure. Because whenever I watch the game, the, the guys that they faced the last couple of days for the Orioles are okay. They're not great pitchers. Right. But they work through them like, like nobody's business. And I just that for me is, I think, until they actually want to make an adjustment and say enough's enough, I just don't think now there's a big enough sample size that it's just not you let it travel, you drive down and through it, you catch it out in front, and you create backspin the other way. They've shown you consistently they have challenges doing that. So what would be the next step, Jeff? Make it harder for him to do. You see the catcher yesterday, uh, Chirinos. Boba shed at bat. He gave a he gave a uh still to me I don't have any idea why he would do the the pushing of the button and then give the signals. I don't know why he would do that, but he was doing that. Mm-hmm. And then he would give it and then he would peek at Bo's feet, peek at his eyes, and he was basically like, hmm, okay, if you're gonna give me that, I'll continue we'll to take it. I'll <laughs> continue to take it out. I just for me, I just don't really understand that. And that will be a puzzling thing because the baseball is a game of adjustments. The league has adjusted to a bunch of good right-handed hitters. And you just don't consistently see the adjustment back, and it's a, lot, a little odd to me. How hard? I, I know we've talked about pinch hitting, and George Springer said yesterday, he talked about, I have a lot of respect for guys who do that on a regular mm-hmm. basis. It, it is the hardest thing to do no in, question. In, in the game. George Springer with a key pinch hit yesterday uh, in this game kind of kind of broke the dam and, and led to that led to that big inning for the Blue Jays that, that put the game away. How hard is it for an everyday? Like I, I, I would understand if you are a bench guy and you pinch hit, I, I get where that would be hard. That could be your one at bat for a couple of days. How hard is it or why is it so hard for an everyday guy to pinch hit? Because you do hear, it's you routine. do hear a lot of every- routines. Routines. He gets okay. used to doing something every day. I mean, George Springer should be used to not. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I Man, I don't want to say that in a bad way, and I'm not no. trying to, but he should be used to playing a couple of days, have a day off, yeah. pinch hit late in the game. Like, he should be used to doing that, but it's about routines. You get in a routine of trying to do it one way as an everyday player, and then as a guy that may have an opportunity late in the game to pinch hit, you just don't know what to do with yourself. You see the camera when they pan over there. The Springer's all over the place. He don't know what he's doing. Like, his hands flying all over the place. He's laughing. And you don't have any idea what he's Looking doing. Looking at the iPad. Like, you don't have any I don't think he looks at a ton of iPad when it comes to not playing. I mean, maybe when he's closer to his at bat, which they do a really good job. If you've noticed, like, he'll they'll give him an inning or, or two at advance to say, this inning, this situation comes up, guys on base – this guy's coming around an inning and a half from now. Be ready for that spot. So you give him a little time to get loose and put your helmet on. And Dusty Baker used to always tell me when I pinched it for the Reds, go warm up like you're hitting. Wear your helmet. Wear all your stuff you're wearing, which I never wore any of that, but I wore my helmet. Nobody ever wears their helmet in a batting cage, but you do because you want to 
you want to sort of get used to and figure out and feel the helmet on top of your head. Simple sounds silly. Yeah. No, but I, it's, I you know, it. you're because normally late in the game, it's 99 you're facing. It's short and quick, and you don't want to have all these other things you're thinking about. And I just you, you give him credit for, for staying in the big part of the field, fighting with two strikes. They needed that. Like that was. Well, you again, can tell. I, you, you, again, could, you could just see that you could see the bench. You could see the dugout when George Springer came through with that hit. I, I mean, it just erupted. It, it is. And then if you watch for the, you look at, at, at uh, who the Yankees got going, Montas, Tyone, and Cole, and Cortez. You, you don't tell me all four of those guys see exactly how everybody else is throwing the Blue Jays? You got three power-throwing right-handers, even though that little short porch in right field in Yankee Stadium. You don't think they're going to pitch them the exact same way? It, it's going to be, this is, so it might, what I'm saying is the starter for the Blue Jays is going to have to be really good, and Berea's to start tonight. How's that going to look on the road? A Yankee Stadium. You know, he's going to have to have some vinegar. Like, he's going to have to do this with some urgency. Like, have, you know, do some attitude out there. If you if you mess up, you throw a bad pitch, like, show some urgency that I've worked on it. I'm tired of it. I want to throw it right this time. And so, because you're, if you've noticed, the starter has to be really good. It's got to give the, the lineup an opportunity because I just don't think the way everybody's throwing this lineup because they are very right-handed, that they're not going to string most of the time. Now, some of the time, sometimes they will, but most of the time they're not going to string together three or four hits to right field. It's just not going to happen. Right. So they're going to need to have your starting pitcher for the Blue Jays go a long period of time in that start to allow that, like just like yesterday, to allow that lineup to have one big inning so they can separate themselves and make it easier for John to come out and laugh with the starter. Hopefully they, they, they do that and, and have a good game. It's interesting. Yesterday, John Schneider walked back a little bit the use of the word urgency. Um, not that that would, you know, doesn't change the situation, but I almost got the sense that uh, – there was a move knowing that you've got four games at Yankee Stadium. Those are going to those are those are going to be big games. They're going to be emotionally charged. They're they're significant games for the Yankees right now. I mean they're they're they've got a nice lead atop the East, but they're not playing very well. They're not hitting. They won last night on a Josh Donaldson walk off. So the Yankees aren't they're not mailing these four games. And I kind of got the sense that. That, that John's approach is, was just to kind of pull back a little bit. And I don't think you want to build up the Yankee series too much. These guys know what's at stake. I don't think they need the manager piling stuff on a little bit. It was, he, did, he did it exactly the way he was supposed to do it. He said it. He changed the lineup. He, you know, did something, whether it was his doing or not, put Yusei Kikuchi in the pen. Why come out and smother that word to death to your players? Now, the message has been sent that, by what we've done with the lineup and Yusei Kikuchi and putting everybody where they're supposed to be, we have now put every best player that we have in the position that we think they can go out and help us win a baseball game. And now it's up to you guys to go out and do it. Yeah. So he did it for me anyway. He did it exactly the right way. And I think for me anyway, the Blue Jays organization has oops and fell on their manager. I just like everything he does. I, I, I've been around John a long time, and I'm not saying this because he's my friend, which he is, but just by the way he acts, the way he talks, the way he doesn't let it fester, he's going to do it and do it quick. 
the hit and runs and the and the changing of the lineup and it's performance driven. If you're going to talk it, you better be walking it. He's doing that, and I kind of like that. Well, you certainly do get the sense that there's he's not content to just let things stay the way they are, cross his fingers and hope that it works out, which you 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 can't do over 162 games. Jeff, let's lo- let's not can't. lie either. He's fighting to be the manager next year for the Blue Jays, and the sure only way is. he's going to be the manager next year, the, in my mind and your mind, is to make the playoffs. Yeah, without question. If they don't make the playoffs, I don't think he's back as manager. I don't next either. Year. And that's not I'm certainly Got nothing no, to do with certainly him, no that disrespect will give them an, to John. But, that will give them an excuse. Because quite frankly, he wasn't he was not their first choice. Yep. So Yeah, it won't it won't only I mean it won't only give them an, an, an excuse. It would be quite frankly, it would be a logical thing to do. It would be a logical thing to do if the team doesn't make the playoffs because you're gonna sort have of to a take a clean slate thing. Well you're gonna uh, have to take a you're gonna have to take a deep look at 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 a lot of things. And um again, I I just not making the playoffs. Failure to make the playoffs is not an option for this front office. It's just not an option. It's the only way to put it. Jim Bowden is a former MLB executive. He's MLB insider with The Athletic and CBS Sports HQ. Jim Bowden joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joe Settle of Blue Jays Central. Will join us at 11 o'clock. Michael Kay, play-by-play voice of the Yankees at 11:30, as we get you set for the four-game series between the Yankees and the Jays in the Bronx, starting tonight. As uh, the Jays look to build on that 6-1 win over the Orioles, and the Yankees look to build on their walk off of the Tampa Bay Rays last night, delivered by. The one and only Josh Donaldson. It's quite a game. Sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good. Yeah. They got lucky. Because Chad Chapman doesn't look real good. Their bullpen is. Eh. Play Holmes is and, and out for, for at least. For, for whatever 10, reason, 15, I, I know games. they've had a lot of injuries, but for whatever reason, they don't have a ton of confidence offensively, which is very odd for a team like the Yankees. So it's a big series for the Blue Jays. It's a big series for the AL East. Certainly, well, it's a big series for the wild card picture. I, I mean, despite their issues, it, the Yankees still have a fairly comfortable lead. Um, Jim Bowden is a former MLB executive. He's an MLB insider with The Athletic and CBS Sports HQ. Jim Bowden joins us in Blair and Barker. Jim, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself today. We appreciate your time. We, you. We trust that you're doing well. When when you look at the at the AL wild card, as you know, we sit here on what August August 18th. Anything surprising you about who is in or who isn't in the wild card race? Yeah, I mean, I think when the season began, I 
didn't think we'd probably have seven teams that would be within three games in the loss column, and that's what we have right now, which has been pretty exciting. Um, you know, I, my expectations for Toronto, uh, as an example, was a lot higher than what it's turned out to be, mainly because the pitching staff, as you guys know, ranks ninth in the league in ERA and seventh since the All-Star break, so just middle-of-the-road pitching. Uh, the offense has lived up to expectations for sure, all year but yeah i'm surprised that toronto is with the pack but that that's where we stand right now tampa's had a lot of injuries so they're with the pack so i think what is really made this fun and exciting is what seattle did at the trade deadline trading for louis castillo which has given them a little bit of a leg up but more importantly i think the big story in the american league has been the emergence of the orioles being a legitimate Mm -hmm. contender because their bullpen is top three in the sport um, and number two, the fact that Minnesota, Cleveland, and the White Sox all are now in the same conversation with Toronto, Tampa, Seattle, etc. They're just, they're just as good as those teams are. So we've got a real fun race ahead of us. Although the division race in the East and West is practically over, the race in the Central is going to go down to the wire. And then the fact is the East teams are going to beat each other up. The Central teams are going to beat each other up. And we got a lot of good teams that are going to go home come October. Jim, you mentioned the White Sox. What do you think has to happen for them? I know they're two back, I think. They're 61 and 57. They've won six out of the last ten. What do you think it would take for them to make a serious run at the playoffs? Well, I think they're making the run now, right? I mean, after what they've been through this year, they've been through so many injuries. It's really hard to comprehend from Lance Lynn to Giolito to Yoan Moncada to Lewis Roberts. I mean, Timmy Anderson is already out now for the, for, for the next month. Um, they've gone through so many injuries, so much adversity, uh, all of the controversy around Tony La Russa, the manager. But now they're putting it together, and now they're back in the conversation, you know, it's kind of funny when when you watch that division and you watch the Guardians every night, they're the best contact team in the league. Uh, they're, they're kind of a scary team because they put the ball in play. And so when they face the good pitchers, they can beat them uh, because, because they do have traffic. They're a fundamentally sound team. They base run extremely well. They go first to third well. Um, they defensively, they hit the cutoff man. I mean, Terry Francona has been one of the best managers in baseball over the last the couple of decades, and it's showing with this team. So the Guardians are, are, are the, the most fundamental sound team. Minnesota has gone from last last year to being in the race thanks to great moves by the front office, bringing in Correa and, and, and training for Sonny Gray, and then at the deadline adding three significant pitchers to help them. The White Sox have the best team in the division, but uh, they don't have the, they have the best talent, I should say, in the division, but they don't have the best team. Um, so I think it's just it's going to be a dogfight. I think that's what's fun about this division is when I look at all three teams, uh, I can see any one of the three winning the division. I can see two of these teams making the playoffs and one going home. So it, you know they're so close that it's just fun to watch these games every night because. It's going to be decided by the players on the field. Jim, do you think the Blue Jays' lineup is too right-handed? It's definitely too right-handed. You know, I had Ross Atkins, the GM, on my uh, front office show uh, this past Sunday, and I asked him about that, right? Um, And his response back was, well, look, we've tried to get a left-handed hitter, but we can't seem to get a left-handed hitter that's any better than the top five or six guys in our lineup. And so we don't want to get a lesser player just to get left-handed. And and that makes that makes a lot of sense, and it's a good point. But but I'll take you back to my one of my first years as a GM. 
I, I had a, an almost all right-handed lineup like Toronto did. And I remember Joel Sherman, even back then, but the New York Post came up to me and said, are you concerned that you're too right-handed? And I said, no, because my right-hand hitters uh, hit right-handed pitching as well as they hit left-handed pitching. And my right-hand hitters hit righties as good as lefties do. That was my response back, right? And statistically, I was 100% correct. What I learned that year was that works fine over most pitching. But when you face the elite pitchers, like when we faced John Smoltz and his slider, that's when the right-hand hitters paid a price. Now, fast forward to 2022, the problem with having an all-right-handed lineup is that the opposing teams can set up their best righty relievers and and the the ones with the best breaking balls against right-handed pitching and they can match up against the Blue Jays anytime they want in every, every game they play them. You never have to worry about bringing in a lefty and, and mixing and matching. That part of the game is completely taken away. So that's a big advantage to the opposing team. So when we're sitting here in this day and age where the relievers are so deep and so strong, um, it allows the opponents to set up against them. So, yeah, it's a factor. Now, that being said, let's be realistic. The Blue Jays have had a top three offense all year long, mm-hmm. and scoring runs has not been a problem. The problem has been the pitching staff. And outside of the three starters, Gosman, Manoa, and Stripling, you know, the back end, you know, Barrios hasn't lived up to the contract. That's been a problem. And the other spot in the rotation hasn't, and the bullpen hasn't been consistent, although I think they did a good job of addressing that at the trade deadline. Uh as a former executive, how impressive has it been to you watching the uh, changes Ross Stripling has made in season? Going back to, to last year when he, you, you overhauled his delivery in season, uh, changed roles in season. This year, same thing. He's Well, he's been mostly a starting pitcher this year. But how impressive is it to see a guy do that? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, I don't think anything was more impressive than what Toronto did with Robbie Ray last year. Like, Mm -hmm. he wins the Cy Young Award? I mean, kidding me? Yeah, I mean, look, Toronto's got a lot of smart people working there under Mark Shapiro and Roz Atkins. They do a really good job uh, using the analytics and the science to try to find ways to get their players to maximize their talents. And that shows on the field. So, yeah, they've done an absolutely spectacular job doing that. Look, this Toronto team's a playoff team. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, I, I think they're underachieving a little bit for what they should be able to do. I mean, just look at run differential, right? You got Seattle, you got Tampa, you got Cleveland, you got Minnesota. They're all around 28 to 30 with run differential. Blue Jays are plus 47. They're supposed to have a better record than all those teams, and yet they don't. Jim, whatever you talk about, you, you were mentioning the left-handed hitters and, and what Ross had told you on your show. And I was thinking about to get – maybe what they need, they may have to give up an everyday player. And because you've been in the front office as long as you were, I think 16 years you were the GM, that's a very long time. You've seen basically everything you need to see. When would it be the right time? You know, to give something up, I would think it maybe would start with Bo Bichette. You're probably not going to trade Vladdy. That's an aircraft carrier. So you probably wouldn't do that. But it may start with Bo. Would that be a hard thing to do? You would never do that. Say no to Bo. No, I'm not training Bo. Okay. No, I'm building around Vladdy and Bo. They're my two. They're, those are my two. They go nowhere. Zero places. Okay. They finished their career in Toronto. Oh, I love those two guys. we got to build around. And look, the hard part is, you know, to your point, um, you know, to trade a Teoscar Hernandez, you don't want to, right? But if you could get an equivalent left-handed hitting Hernandez, you would. Right. But that deal's just not out there. 
Lourdes Gurriel hasn't really developed any more than what we've seen the last couple of years, so there's not a lot of value there. And how many left-hand hitters, you know, were trades at the deadline? Not a lot. Josh Bell went, but he was involved in the Soto deal. So, you know, it's not an easy solution. And clearly in talking to Toronto's front office, clearly they would like to do that but haven't been able to. And I think that's fair. I mean, they worked so hard to get Jose Ramirez, and he ends up re-signing in Cleveland. But they were all over that before they traded for Matt Chapman. They were all over trying to get that that left-handed hitter. So I think eventually they will. I think to win a World Series, they're going to have to find a way to better balance that lineup. And I don't think there's any doubt about that. Jim, what do you make of the situation with uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. right now? First, from you know a wider baseball perspective, this is a guy who's one of the faces of the game. It's you know it's certainly the suspension seems to have really created an issue with some of the the former Latino players in the game, a couple of them Hall of Famers. But beyond that, from the point of view of AJ Preller and the San Diego Padres, because again, you've been in that you've been in that chair. How do you view that situation? Uh, with anger, with disappointment, um, I think every emotion you can possibly have. Here's the thing. When you're a GM and you convince your owner to commit $340 million for a player, you expect loyalty, you expect work ethic, and you approach the game in a certain way. So they commit $340 million. He never has to work again the rest of his life. And what's the first thing he does? He, he, he rides a motorbike, hurts his wrist in January, and doesn't tell anyone until he reports to spring training. Yeah. What? For $340 million? Okay. Then <clears throat> we forgive you. Okay. Then you tell us about another wrist injury. We forgive you. Now you've got a shoulder that needs to be operated on. But you choose, which is your right. You don't have to. You choose not to. You choose to rehab it, which means I know as a GM at some point I'm going to lose you for six months whenever we do have to operate, which will happen at some point because you can't have a shoulder that keeps popping out without at some point surgically repairing it, right? So, okay, now I've got that. Now I go to the trade deadline, and I trade for the best player that's ever been traded at age 23 in Juan Soto, and I get Josh Bell, and I get Brandon Drury, and I'm dreaming of – Tatis, Soto, and Machado facing the best pitching in baseball or in the postseason. Urias, DeGrom, Scherzer, Corbin Burns, whatever the case, Wainwright, whatever it's going to be. I now have a lineup that can beat that because I got three guys in a row that great pitching can't get out. I got three of them, Soto, Tatis, and Machado. And then seven days while you're on rehab, seven days before I reinstate you, you test positive for PEDs. You test positive, you're informed by the commissioner's office, you're informed by the Players Association, you're informed by your agent, and you don't pick up the phone and call the owner, you don't call the GM, and you don't call the manager. Instead, you send out a, a, a press release that says, I'm not going to appeal it, I had ringworm. What? So it takes the following day where you finally make the $340 million and you can't pick up the phone to your bosses and tell you what happened? And then you apparently lie about it, which, look, I've talked to a lot of people on this. It, he didn't test positive for something a doctor gave her. By the way, if that were the case, 
there would be an appeal. And by the way, the doctor would be at the podium explaining exactly how he gave them and what, what specific steroid was in there. For the, no, no, no. Come on. We're not buying it. So now I can't. How, how do I trust you? I couldn't trust you on the wrist. I couldn't trust you on the shoulder. I can't trust. Now you got PEs. Now here's the other part. You had 41 home runs last year. Is that real? Or is that PEDs? Mm. How'd we go from 20 to 41? Oh, no, this isn't bonds, is it? And I thought when I gave you $340 million, I had a future Hall of Famer. I was going to watch your path to Cooperstown. Now I know already you have no chance of getting into Hall of Fame. You're going to be across the street with Bonds and Clemens and Ramirez and McGuire and Sosa and all the rest of them. And that, that's now gone. And now I've got to sit there paying you $340 million for the rest of your career with this black eye. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Last one before I let you go. Why do you think baseball players have such a tough time with the collision rule at home plate? Um, you know, it's the measurement of old school, new school, and you're used to playing the game a certain way, and then you change the rules, and some people like Austin Hedges just can't get past that. I mean, here's the thing. Ever since that Scott Cousins, Buster Posey collision at home plate, they changed the rule uh, to protect the health of the players. Since that rule was changed, there have been zero players that have had career-ending injuries or injuries that have put them on uh, the injured list. The second base slide rule. Since they implemented the Chase Utley rule, there have been zero players that have gotten hurt at a collision at second base. The whole intent of putting the rules in were safety. Okay, It had nothing to do with should the catch be able to block the plate. So when we had that play the other night that has become controversial – Go back and look at the replay. Hedges clearly did not leave a path for Javier Baez to slide. Mm-hmm. And the rule says you got to leave a lane to slide. If he had left the lane, he would have been safe. So the umpire and, and, the, and the crew in New York, uh, instant replay, they got it right based on the rule. Now, I know the players don't like the rule, but if you don't like the rule, here's the thing. Don't have your players' association agree to the rule of Major League Baseball. That's right. And if you want to change the rules so you have collisions, it's fine. Put a proposal in for a rule change and try to get it passed. But in the meantime, this isn't that. This isn't rocket science. The rule is what it is. Just follow and carry it out. Yeah, no, that's that's really well said. That's kind of what I mean. We had that situation arise in the Jays game with the Twins, and it, it's the same thing. If you don't like it, you've got avenues to change it. Uh, don't right. don't complain about it in season. That's it's pointless. Even if you feel that way, don't complain about it. There are avenues to yeah. change it. Yeah, that, that, that's really well said. Jim, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you Appreciate so much. Appreciate it. It's great. My pleasure, guys. Take care. Jim Bowden, former MLB executive, MLB insider with The Athletic and CBS Sports HQ. And uh, his front office mm. podcast and front office shows really great. is good. Look, that I mean, that that that's the, the thing about the, the home plate, the collision rule. I, li- I like it, first of all. Um, it's worked. It's worked. It's done what it's supposed to do. And as Jim said, if you don't like it, well, bring it up with the Players Association and have it addressed. Because that's you do have an option. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. It doesn't mean anybody else is going to agree with it. But the hell's the point of complaining to the media about it in season? It's not going it, to. It's not. Yeah, it's not going to matter. It's not going to. It's not going to change. And it's actually, it's pretty clear. It's remarkable how many people who played the game, when you talked about this rule, they actually, they don't have an issue with because it's pretty, it's, it's pretty clear. 
Yeah, it does. It's, it's the play, uh, again the play at second base is the one that that drives that drives me. Nuts. It's the heat of the moment. I, I think is what the catcher that's standing at home plate it has cloudy thoughts on what they're where they're supposed to start and where they can end up is what I think. Anyway, I don't think it seems that hard from watching it, no, but I'm not actually standing at the plate and and it, trying to do it. And I mean, Joe Siddle's talked about this and, a lot and of it's times. Pretty straight, and he says he said straightforward, and he's a catcher. Yeah, but Buck Martinez says the same thing. I, it's I again, it just doesn't seem hard on the outside looking in, and I don't know how you can adjust it. It is what it is. Yeah, the second base slide thing. Start I start where you start and let the play make you. If you end up having to block the plate because of where the ball carried you, yeah, it's fair game. Yeah, it was, I, inter- it was interesting to see what he said about Bo. I threw that in there because he's been around for a very long time. Yeah, he's also Woody trade Bo. He has he, also said he has also said on his show, and 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 talking about and different outlets that I've heard him on, he's talked about that about having those two those two players. Uh, yeah, I'd I'd love to have them both here forever. I I just I I don't know if it's I don't know if it's going to happen. We we've, we've talked about this. I don't know how far any discussions have gotten with these guys on long-term contracts. I, I just don't. That, to me, indicates something. I'm not sure which one they'd be willing to do first. Are you willing to spend the 300 plus that you have to spend on Vladdy? Well, here's the thing. Or do you want to get Bo out of the way? The guy who's got more experience right now is Vladdy. The guy who's better of the two is Vladdy. The guy whose body... There's less it, unknowns with there's Vladdy, less I unknown think. with Vladdy. Yeah. That's that's the thing. So mm-hmm. I, I think and and the the other thing about Vladdy that I think we've been very good at giving him credit for. I think finally other people are starting to give him credit for is he has become he he has become an elite defender. He really has. He's a better Defensive first baseman than Bo is defensive shortstop. That's a little unfair. Uh, different positions, but but, but but what I'm, what I'm saying what I'm saying is what were the two knocks against Vladdy coming up? One too heavy, might not be able to play every day. Okay, he's had to DH, but he's playing every day. Two might not have a position. Well, yeah, he's got a position. He's a pretty good first baseman. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm with you. It, it, who has answered? the biggest questions about their potential career path has been Vlad. Again, we're not writing the checks. A bigger check will have to be written to the big boy standing at first. Yeah, of Would course. they be willing to do that, or does it matter? They, they know that they'll have to pay both, and they want to pay both, and we don't have the answer to that. We, we just don't know that. I have never heard anybody in this organization complain about how much money they're going to have to spend on a guy after a good year. Yeah, it, you want Vladdy to, to to make a ton of money early because yeah, that means he's putting up numbers. It's not just one no, of them; it's I'm, both of them. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying here is, going year to year with these guys doesn't bother this front office. Paying Vladdy thirty five million next year, it's not going to be the case. But if something happened and Vladdy made thirty was to be paid thirty five sure. million next year, they'd be fine with that. That's 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 not an issue. I think the bigger issue is the length of the contract. And let's be honest. Yeah. If you're writing the check and you've seen Bo's season offensively, worry you about that? 
Would it worry you to go, okay, I want to commit long-term to that? Offensively, I, I'm a big fan of his. But you you know as well as anybody, they're breaking it down every single swing he takes and how I would hard commit, he's hitting the ball. Would you? I would commit. After this season. I would commit long-term to him. Even but, if he's but, finished the season hitting Let me seven. finish. Let me finish. I would commit long-term to him, but it would have to be – it would have to – he would have to give me a bit of a break in the contract is what I'm saying. I'm not going to commit long-term to him for as much as I might have last year. Okay. No. Okay. That's a, that's a, but cause you know, they're thinking about that. I'll commit long-term to anybody. If they're going to give me, if, if it's going to cost me less money that, that I don't, I don't have a problem with, but you know, if I, if, if I'm both and the question is, okay, if after this year, do I want to talk? Maybe I want to, I want to go for another year and try I, to build, try to build my value up again. I don't know. There's so a lot. There's I, a I, lot would, I would think if somebody would come to you and say, we want to give you this amount of years, and if you like the number, it's security. Yeah. It's for your family. Like it's but, look at look at look at Atlanta. But it's Kevin. You come to young, you come to, to air quote kids and throw a bunch of years and a bunch of money. But Kevin, it's it's pretty clear that that based on what happened this offseason, that how the Jays value Bobachette isn't how Bobachette and his agent values Bobachette. Nobody that there's there's a reason they renewed that contract. It was a tactical move that they that they they forced the Blue Jays to renew it that they didn't quote unquote come to agreement. That's a tactical move. There's clearly a difference of opinion. There was this offseason a difference of opinion in terms of the value of how how Bowen is people value himself and how the Blue it's Jays. It's obvious value why Jim feels so strong about that. He's had conversations with the Blue Jays people that matter. It's obvious. It's just not. You've listened to Jim long enough, and you have, and I have. I listen to him all the time. He just don't come out and say things just to be saying them. He's no. had conversations with people that matter, so it's obvious that they think very highly of Bo. But again, it's a performance-driven league. Has his performance this season offensively? Because I think we we can agree defensively. He's, he's I, uh, fine. Yeah, he's fine. I got nine. With him playing shortstop, that's the thing here. No, you I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying you can. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. offensively, he could finish the season seventh in your lineup. It's more about the numbers than where you're hitting in the lineup. To me, that that. I mean, if his numbers were higher, he would not be hitting right, seventh. But I'm not going to sit here and yeah, yeah, that's. I I don't think you. Yeah, it's it's about the numbers, uh, but and you're right. Is de- defense isn't an issue with him? I'm just saying. I think it's less of an issue with Vladdy. I think Vladdy is going to win a Gold Glove at some point. So he's got to be year. a finalist this year. You know, I mean, I you you talk to talk to Matt Chapman about Vladdy's defense. Now, understanding Matt Chapman spent a lot of his career throwing to Matt Olson was pretty damn good, sure. and understanding that Matt Chapman is an elite defender himself, and and talk to him about the stuff he sees Vladdy do. In real time, and when I talked to Matt about that a couple of weeks ago, he, you know, yeah, it's great. Everybody does extra work and all this. He said the stuff that Vladdy, the way Vladdy sees the game, the way he sees things develop in front of him is like he is a step ahead of a few other a few other people. Baseball IQ. You, you notice when he first got here playing first base, he would play in the hole trying to take away that ball from a right-handed hitter. And he didn't really know, do I go after it? Do I not go after it? Have you seen him do that this year? No. Like he knows now. It's baseball IQ. The more you do it, yeah. the, the more comfortable you get at it. It's just instincts and 
Uh, Just everything that goes into being a a really good first baseman and can pick your teammate up. Your teammate's not always going to make a great throw. And you got to, there's got to be a lot of trust there and you earn it. Well, we've seen him, you know, some of those plays he's put on, um, you know, his arm. I, I can see now why people, there were people in the organization who wanted to be patient at third base. Mm-hmm. I can see that now because of the arm. But uh, his, uh, the infield defense, I mean, that's just not, it's one of the things that's basically been there all year for the Jays. It really has. And remember, too, with no shift, say there's no shift next year, he could turn into a weapon. At first base. Yeah. That is something we have not really talked about. And obviously it's not a topic of conversation right now because the season's going on. But it it would be interesting to do a deeper dive into the impact no shifting will have on Bo. That intrigues me. I don't know. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if that puts more pressure on the shortstop. Uh, takes away i mean clearly you're not going to be able to move matt chapman the way or chapman around the way you do now that's something that i think may be a topic of conversation as well is how does bo's defense measure up without the shift and i mean i'm sure there are people in khakis as you would say working on that right now as we speak you can say it and also trying to figure out when george springer needs his next day off that's crazy I I knew you were. Not, you know, I knew well, you wanted. To, well, I knew coming in today that no, that was. Be, let's not lie I about knew. it. He's DH two days in a row, and they felt like he needed a day off. Say that out loud. I got to no yourself. comment. I got no comment. We are dealing with an injury. I. It's is it possible that George Springer showed up and his arm was his his elbow was sore in the morning, and then. You know, we went in and got a little work on it and it felt better. I don't know. Hey, that's, I'm always reluctant when it comes to that, when it, because of, because of an injury, I just, I, yeah. You see him sliding down plate? Yeah, but he I. He looked hurt to you? Well, no. But I'm saying, I don't know. What if he showed up in the morning and like, we just don't I know. I mean, I showed up this morning too in a bad mood. We just Look don't at know. me now. Yeah, well, you always show up in a bad mood. <laughs> I mean, that's only people. People think that I'm the guy that shows up in the bad mood. It's I mean, traffic. I'm not the guy that shows traffic. up in the bad mood. You're the guy that shows up in a bad mood. I get over it quick. And your drive is like your drive is like is like a third of my drive. But you make it sound like the freaking uh, baton death march. Uh, that's bad. You could always take a streetcar in the subway. You watch always. your mouth. You could. I'm just saying. You watch your mouth. I'm just saying. Joe Siddle is our Blue Jays central analyst on Sportsnet. The Jays and the Yankees start a big four-game series tonight. Joe Siddle will join us. Michael Kay of the Yes Network and uh, also host of the K-Rod cast, which I really like. Did you see Did you see A-Rod and Jeter? I did. Uncomfortable. I liked it. I liked it. It was of good. It was good. It was good. It was good, <laughs> Michael. Michael's a perfect guy. He is do that and michael k will join us it's blair and barker on sportsnet 590 the fan sportsnet 360 wherever you get your favorite podcast